0: If you're here for the first time, you've picked a great time to come to Calvary. We're in the middle of this series called Playground. Talking about some of the valuable lessons, some of the timeless lessons that we learn at the playground in elementary school. A few weeks ago, we talked about dodgeball. And how in dodgeball, you learn this. That it's not just about defense, but it's also about offense. And and in this battle that we face, right, on on the playground, it's a little red ball. In life, it's all these spiritual issues, right? God's Word talks about spiritual warfare, and and as we're navigating spiritual warfare, we need to understand the tools that God has given us, the tactics that that He's provided to us, and the posture that He wants us to take. We have, we've talked about God's will. Looking at hopscotch, that, that sometimes we freak out about being inside the lines. Well, God has a plan for you. And when we walk in God's universal will, and we walk in God's general will, God's specific will becomes incredibly clear. Last Sunday, I alluded to it earlier. Last Sunday, we talked about this issue of authority. We learned about authority on the playground playing Mother May I. And what it meant to, even when we didn't want to, right, to be mindful of the authority around us. Well, this morning, I want to talk about that game Red Rover. Red Rover, you remember that game? Red Rover, Red Rover, send Billy right over. And your success at Red Rover was not just dependent upon you. Success or failure in Red Rover was completely dependent upon the person whose hand you hold. Right, That person on your left, that, that person on your right, you're, you're dependent upon doing this thing together. You know, God's Word says this in the beginning, in the, in the creation process. It says, it is not good that man live alone. You know, when, when, when God said that in the creation story, that wasn't a surprise to him. God knowing the end from the beginning, God knew that it was not good that man be alone. And it should be no surprise to us. Why? Because we're created in God's image. We're created in God's likeness. We're formed after the character of God. And one of the things that's very clear about God is that God is a highly relational being. He's designed us to be highly relational beings. One of the things that the enemy tries to do is the enemy tries to separate us, isolate us, insulate us to where he can conquer us. But God has designed us to do this thing called life together. In fact, in your Bible, there are over 30 commands that God gives you that you cannot fulfill by yourself. This is the reason why the Word of God says that we are not supposed to forsake the gathering together of the brethren. Right? We're supposed to do this thing that we're doing right now. We're supposed to do this thing called church. I want to say to everybody who's watching via live stream, those who are watching via Good Life, listen, we are so glad that we can come into your home, that we can come into your hotel room, that we can come into your dorm space, that we can come into wherever you are right now. And and we love the fact that technology allows us to connect in this way. But here's what I can promise you that this works so much better when we hang out with one another, when we spend time with one another, when we're invested in one another's day, when we're engaged in one another's life. God has designed us as relational beings. He's designed us to connect with one another. And victory, true victory, it requires that issue of healthy connect and healthy friendship. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take a a few moments and talk about how do we do this? How do we develop, how do we build great friendships? I want you to do this. Take your Bible and turn to Colossians, the third chapter. Colossians chapter 3, it tells us this. Uh, starting in the starting in the eleventh verse of Colossians chapter three, it says this: Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. I, I love what I love what Paul says there in Colossians chapter three. He says this. He says, "Listen, guys, we are all gals. We are all the same. We're all in this thing together, and we're called to do life together." That God doesn't differentiate. He sees all of us the same, right? And as such, we should relate to one another the same. And we should relate to one another from a healthy posture, from a healthy disposition. What should that look like? Well, the fact that we're all the same, right, and we're doing this thing called life together, Paul then goes on to say in Colossians 3.12, he says, Therefore, okay, because of this, right, Therefore, as God's chosen people, because God has his hand upon your life, because God ha- has a purpose for you, because God has chosen you, and make no mistake, friend, God has chosen you. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, our, our attitude, our, our approach, the, the way in which we connect with one another, it should be very clear. And he goes on and he, and he gives us these, these, what I believe are six principles that we find in Colossians chapter 3 that, that I, want, I want to talk with you about real quickly. Right? He says, listen, what you've got to do, knowing that, knowing that you are holy and dearly loved, that you are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, you need to clothe yourself or immerse yourself with compassion, kindness, kindness, Humility, gentleness, patience. You know, they say, that, they say that clothes really define us. Right? This afternoon, uh, there are going to be a bunch of people that are going to gather uh, at the Citrus Bowl or Camping World Stadium, whatever it's supposed to be called. Right? They're going to gather, um, and it looks like they're going to gather in the pouring rain Right, and as as and as the, as they go through the turnstiles there at Camping World Stadium, there are going to be folks that are going to have New England Patriot jerseys on, which is a shame. Um, they're going to be those uh, that have Chicago Bears jerseys on, and we know that they are chosen by God, right? And they're going to be those anyway. You you'll you will know you'll know what team is their preferred team by their dress, right? You then, you will have those people that walk in that they barely know there's a football game happening, right? There'll be guys that will walk in, they'll be dressed like me, uh, and they're not there for the game. Uh, They're there because they've got some public relations event that's happening, uh, and, you know, they just want to get in and get out. The, The way that we dress does tend to say a lot about us, doesn't it? You know, if I walked in here today and I had boots on and I had a big heavy jacket on and, and I had a, a helmet, a, a, a hat on that had, a, that had a, a, a plastic shield that would come down over the top, right? I'm carrying an axe in my hand. You're going to know what I am. We have a gentleman right now that's walking the mezzanine. He's got a radio uh, here, okay? He's got a patch on his arm. He's got a, he's got a, sh- a, 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 a shield, a badge right here. And he's got a weapon that's mounted to his waist. We all know why he's here. We all know what he does, right? He's a police officer. He's here to protect and serve. We understand that. Why? Not because of anything that he's doing in the moment, but because of the way that he is dressed. And our clothing says a lot. And Paul uses this wonderful word picture to say, listen, if you're God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, what you need to do is this, is you need to clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He says, this has got to define you. It's got to be who you are. In a word, it's commitment. Okay, I have to be committed to this issue of walking in healthy relationship with the people around me. And friendship takes commitment. Wisest man to ever live. Solomon said this in Proverbs 17, 17. He says, a friend loves at all times. That means this, that I'm your friend even when it's at personal cost to me. Let me, uh, let me go from, from preaching to meddling for a moment. I cannot begin to tell you how many people I have moved Okay, I am an an expert in packing a U-Haul truck. I'm telling you, I can get that in 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 such a way that nothing's going to move and nothing's going to be broken. It's not that I enjoy helping you people move. I hate helping you people move. (laughs) Right? I hate it. Hate, hate, hate it. I hate it more than I hate the Green Bay Packers. And I hate the Green Bay Packers with the white hot heat of a thousand suns. Some of you don't know this. I lived in Green Bay for five years. I pastored in Green Bay. There's a reason why I hate the Green Bay Packers. I really don't enjoy helping people move. But if you have a truck that needs to be loaded tomorrow, give me a call. You know why? Because that's what friends do, right? A friend loves at all times. Have you ever had this conversation, right, where, where you have been wronged and it's very clear that you've been wronged and you're telling this to a friend of yours and the friend goes, yeah, I understand that, but I hope you understand I can't take sides. You might want to write this down this morning. Are you ready for this? Faithful friends take sides. Let me say that again. Faithful friends take sides. If Bob punches me in the face, A.B., I expect you to come to my defense. Okay, I don't want you going, Bob's my friend, you're my friend. I'm not going to take sides. The guy just punched me in the face for no reason. Come on, A.B., I'm counting on you. Do you got my back? Thank you, sir. Because that's what friends do, right? Friendship, it requires friends. Friendship requires commitment. It's not just about commitment, it's also about about compassion. Paul, Paul here in, in, in Colossians, he doesn't just say that we're supposed to clothe ourselves with kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. It also says this. It says we're supposed to bear with one another. It doesn't say be a bear to one another. It says bear with one another. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Oh, you're probably really aware of this. That I'm a work in progress. I am, man. I am, I am so massively imperfect. Okay? Everybody's normal until you get to know them. You ever notice that? Yeah. From a distance, people seem normal. People seem, that, that. seriously, Steve's, got, Steve's definitely got his act all together. And then the more you get to know Steve, you go, S- Steve's, got some, Steve's got some peculiarities about him. By the way, if you're here and your name is Steve, I'm not talking about you. Wink, wink. Wink, um, wink. But there there are we, we all have we all have qualities and habits that that require folks to accept us, right? We all do. And we, we bear with one another. And and we, we don't we don't hold any grievance against one another. That's what it tells us in Colossians chapter 3. It says that we're supposed to bear with one another, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Wow, that's a biggie. That in my compassion, my compassion is supposed to resemble the compassion that God shows towards me, that while I was yet in my sin, God sent his son to the cross to pay the price for my forgiveness. God doesn't just forgive me for my faults and my failures. He paid the price for my mistakes. See, it's one thing to forgive somebody. It's another thing to pay the price for the mess that they made. And God says this. He says we're supposed to forgive at the same level that he demonstrates forgiveness for us. And he doesn't just go, okay, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to forget that happened. He says, listen... I, not only am I going to forget that happened, I'm going to clean up the mess for you. And that's, that's the posture, that's the disposition, that he, that's the attitude that he says that we need to have as we're connected arm in arm in this thing called life. Right? Because the enemy, listen, the enemy going to come at us and then he's going to try to break the bond that we have with one another. He's going to try to break the bond that we have with Jesus. He's going to try to break the bond in our vertical relationship and try to break the bonds in our horizontal relationships. And for that, for those relationships to hold, we have to be committed to one another. We have to be compassionate to one another. We also... Listen, we, we, we've got to be considerate towards one another. And over all these virtues, Colossians 3.14 says, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Here's the difference between being compassionate and being considerate. Are you ready? Compassionate is I extend grace to you when you're wrong. Considerate is me saying, what can I do to help you succeed even if it's at my cost? What can I do to help you get forward even when it doesn't benefit me? That's what consider it is. The Bible says that we are to consider how we can spur one another on to good deeds and good works. It says that each of us, we should please not ourselves. We should look to please those around us for their benefit. To build them up. And so healthy relationship, healthy healthy friendship, it requires a commitment that that demonstrates compassion. that, that, That accepting you as you are and valuing you as you are, even the flawed person that you are. And figuring out ways, looking for ways, looking for opportunities to help you advance, to help you soar to new heights. There's something wonderful that happens. There's something almost magical that happens when a group of people get this. A church that gets it will change a city. Uh, Not just change a city. A church that gets this will change a nation. A church that lives, Colossians 3, will have such an impact. The light will shine so brilliantly that heaven will tell the story. I'm convinced of it. We're to be committed to one another, compassionate, considerate. We also. There are a few things better than being around a friend that is just settled. Right? Just. Whew. We all have those people in our life, hopefully not too many of them, but we all have those people in our life, even the friends in our life. Do, do you have that friend in your life that they are your friend, but you have to be very careful about what you say, right? Because you never know, right? And, and, and even, even, even a, a simple statement, you can make a simple statement, and they can laugh at it, or you can make a simple statement and, and, and make the exact same statement, they're going to go into full rage. You never know what you're going to get. Anybody else have that friend? Okay, is anybody around? Is anybody here that friend? Don't raise your hand. Actually, me asking you that probably just sent you into rage, and I just I just want to say I'm sorry. Right? We 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 struggle with this. And 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 here's my challenge to you: Don't be that gal. Don't be that guy. Okay. Be contented. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body we're called to peace. You know what I look for in friends? I look for friends that are compassionate towards me. Committed in the relationship. Considerate of me. Friends that are comfortable in their own skin. I also want friends in my life that challenge me. I believe this. I believe a good friend will challenge you. A good friend won't just tell you what you need to hear. A a good friend will tell you if you have something hanging on the end of your nose. See, God's Word says this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. And God brings people into our life. He brings relationships into our life to stretch us and to grow us. I'm a better person because I have you in my life. I have have been in Orlando for four years now, and I, I I have grown by leaps and bounds in the four years that I've been in Orlando. And a huge part of that is because of your impact in my life. I think about the, the, the pastors that I get to serve alongside that I get to spend time with every day. I'm a better person because of, of these people. I I think about the the elders that I have the opportunity to interact with these men on a regular basis. Just incredible, uh, godly men, profound character. They 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 help me they help me to stay balanced. And I, I'm, I'm a better person because of this. And I'm, I'm, I am grateful that even, even at 52 years of age and having done this thing, pastoral ministry for, for I'm coming up on 30 years being in full-time pastoral ministry, I, I, I'm, still, I'm still very much grateful for and still very much recognize the need to have people in my life that, that help me to grow. I want, I want people around me that to help me to become better. So Paul says in Colossians 3, verse 16. He says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Our words, you know, we're, we're to be, const- we're to be co- constructive. We're to, we're, to, we're to build one another up. In fact, Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up. Our words are a powerful thing. They're they're a tool that God has given us. And our tool, our our, our words, and, and, and our connection with those around us, they can either be sandpaper that help shape, or they can be a sledgehammer. We're not supposed to be Destructive. we're supposed to be constructive. I was thinking about this, and thinking about this issue of a tool, and uh, I, l- I looked at a couple of the manuals for the the, the power tools that I have, because I, I believe that not only are our words uh, a tool, I believe that they have power, right? So I, I want to give this to you. Okay? Th- these are the these are the guidelines for a chainsaw. Number one, know your power tool. Number two, keep guards in place. Number three, be careful around children. Number four, store idle tools when not in use. Number five, don't overreach Number six, never use in an explosive atmosphere. Now, I want you to look at these rules or these guidelines. Not for a, they make sense for a chainsaw, don't you think? Now, I want you to take these same rules and apply them to your conversation. Are you ready? Know your power tool. Keep guards in place. Be careful around children. Store idle tools when not in use. Don't overreach. Never use in an explosive atmosphere. This thing that we've been given, the Bible talks about the taming of the tongue. This thing that we've been given, it's it's a powerful thing. And I want to make sure that what I bring into the life of the people that God has afforded me, gifted me, relationship with. That my interaction with them, specifically that my words, that they're constructive in nature. And here, here's the last thing, number six. Okay? So we've talked about the issue of commitment, being committed to one another. Being compassionate towards one another. Being being considerate, being being contented, being constructive. Here's the the last thing. Colossians 3.17 says this. Be consistent. Be consistent. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I don't want any relationship. I don't want any connection. That it's not evident in every aspect of that that Jesus is at the center. And and when Jesus is at the center, that's really going to help me to be constructive in my interaction with you. When Jesus is at the center, it's going to position me in such a way that I'm going gonna gonna, gonna to be able to just breathe. When Jesus is at the center, it's going to give me opportunity to walk this out in a, in a real practical way. Being faithful to you. Being understanding of who you are. Looking for opportunities to help you advance. Knowing that we do life together in this imperfect world and there's no reason that I should ever freak out. Grateful that you're investing in my life and I'm able to invest in your life. That's what it looks like when Jesus is at the center. Last Sunday we talked about when we talked about this issue of authority, we said it's not so much what you know, it's who you know. That's that's true. But it's not just who you know, it's who you're connected to. And so my my question for you today is this How are the relationships? Who are you connected to? How strong are those bonds? How healthy is the interaction? So I thought about this message, I was working through it and praying it through on Friday. I... came to this realization that that for all of us here there are likely some relationships that we feel really good about and possibly some relationships that need some work. Some of you are here and and you've got you've got individuals in your life that but there's a strain in the relationship. Maybe it's an issue of commitment. Maybe, maybe it's an issue of, of compassion. Maybe it's an issue where you or the other party was less than considerate. Maybe it's because you or, 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 or the other party freaked out over something that didn't, you didn't need to freak out over. Maybe the disconnect is over something that's just really silly that's gotten out of hand. But I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that, that God wants you to walk with healthy relationships. And is it possible that there's a, there's a friendship, there's a relationship? Maybe it's, maybe it's with a friend, colleague, maybe it's even with a family member. That even in our time together this morning, God's speaking to you about that, and he's saying, listen, you need to make that right. Well, it's, it, th- that person wronged me. They're the person that freaks out, th- th- that freaked out. Aren't you glad that God didn't say, well, you wronged me, so you're going to have to make the first move? Aren't you glad that God made the first move towards you, that he demonstrated that? And so that's what we need to do. Some of us here today, we've we've got friends that are struggling in their horizontal relationships, their relationships with the people around them, because they don't have a vertical relationship. They don't have a relationship with God. We've been hesitant to talk to them about it because the last thing that we want to do is have them turn on us, right? Man, if I, if I talk to them about issues of faith, they might not be my friend. And that their eternal destiny hangs in the balance, right? As iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. A friend is constructive. I... I, I I want a friend to tell me if my destiny is in peril. Some of us, we've got friends that that we used to go to church with, that we used to be engaged in small group with, that we used to participate in, in Bible study with, served on leadership teams with. And for whatever reason, valid or invalid, they've walked away from this connection of together.